Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Able, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase augmented reality, which Investopedia defines as an enhanced version of the real physical world that is achieved through the use of digital visual elements, sound, or other sensory stimuli delivered by a technology. Some key takeaways that I've learned are augmented reality or AR involves overlaying visual, auditory, or other sensory information onto the world in order to enhance one's experience. Retailers and other companies, and this is where it gets interesting to us listeners, use augmented reality to promote products or services, launch novel marketing campaigns, and collect unique user data. Unlike virtual reality, which creates its own cyber environment, augmented reality adds to the existing world as it is. This is fascinating. And my introduction taught me a ton already. So I'm excited to go deep here. And joining me to discuss augmented reality is Rakia Reynolds, founder and executive officer of Sky Blue Media, who knows a thing or two about building brands and the current metaverse. I have been privileged to know and work with Rakia for going on 10 years and am thrilled to have her join me. Welcome, Rakia. Thanks, Barb. I'm so excited to be here. P.S. I love how you described augmented reality and talked about sort of where we are, which is the future. Thanks, Rakia. Well, I hate hat tip to you because it was your idea. And so you drove me to do research and to educate myself. So first question for you, why did you want to discuss augmented reality? Well, here's the thing, you know, so I owned a communications agency now going on 11 years. So we're sort of closing out our celebratory 10th year. And about five years ago, I started hearing people talk more about virtual reality versus augmented reality. There was a a web designer that we were working with and, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to really sort of disrupt this model of websites and why people visit websites. Like, are you coming there for information? Are you coming there to be entertained? Are you coming to a website to be educated? And then I started exploring words like edutainment. So for all of our clients, I've always tried to figure out ways to really push the needle forward and create more of a unique value proposition, which is where we are in the world of AR. I just moderated a panel with the folks at Meta, which will come out probably after this. So I'm I'm able to talk about it. But, you know, talking to the head of small business at Meta and talking to small businesses about how they're using augmented realities for their businesses really interests me because I really do think that last year, you know, 2020 accelerated so many things, accelerated our consumer behavior traits, it consumer, it it accelerated our habits, it changed our habits in so many ways. And I just feel like before we realized it, it was like the future is here. So things that we were preparing for, you know, thinking about, oh, three years down the line, four years down the line, it was already here. And so for me, I started reflecting on when do we really start first using uh, like some forms of augmented reality? You know, I was starting to see so many threads of escapism because we had all had such a tumultuous year or now, you know, almost two years, you know, at the onset of the pandemic, you know, we sort of 
started to, you know, we were in this place of uncertainty and I was telling my team, this is our version of, you know, a war. We're in a, a, a health, you know, a, a health war right now. So I'm like, you know, when we read in the history books about World War II and all of these wars, like we're living, you know, we were living one. And so I started thinking about ways that communicators and marketers would start to integrate these threads of escapism in their work and quickly, like how, how are we going to do it? And so I started speaking to our clients about how do we create um, augmented reality fashion shows? Because you can't have people sit and go to a show, you know, obviously with everything that we were dealing with, with the pandemic and, and COVID. And so it was like, how can we create more immersive experiences with panels and workshops and all of the things that we were doing in the physical sense, you know, how could augmented reality sort of accelerate or enhance the physical presence that we had? So there was a lot of research, there was a lot of prepping, there was a lot of talking, there was a lot of discussions. And then we started experimenting with apps, you know? So there are so many apps where you had mentioned sort of in your open with augmented reality, sometimes it could just be an overlay. So like an example is for Halloween, I was a fairy but I used an augmented reality app as an overlay to one of my photos to have the wings flapping. So augmented reality could be, it could run the gamut, right? Like it could be an overlay, it could be a filter. And we've all, you know, in some shape or form have been using augmented reality. If you use Snapchat, you know, in the very early days, people were on Snapchat because of the filters. It augmented your physical presence. It augmented your physical appearance. It slimmed your face a little bit. It may have, you know, done something to your eyes. It may have put extra mascara on, or it may have put lipstick on. You know, there are also ways to augment our reality on, you know, things like Zoom, where you go on and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't wear makeup today. Let me put on the lipsticks. Let me fill in my eyebrows. Let me change my background. Let me make it look like I'm on a beach somewhere when I'm really sitting in a room that has like all white walls. So I think for 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 just everyday folks, folks that aren't in marketing and aren't in communications, you are in some way, shape or form augmenting your realities right now or utilizing some form of augmented reality. And think back to The Sims. That was like the first form of augmented. We weren't calling it augmented reality there. We weren't calling it immersive technology there. We weren't calling it the metaverse there. We weren't, and I think because, you know, our lexicon is rapidly changing because we're being introduced to all of these new tools and all of these new things. Some of the things that we've been doing for five and six years, like The Sims, is immersive technology, is augmented reality, is the metaverse. It's just a different sort of lexicon. And it also, it's just a different format in which we were using it before. Okay, if you're just tuning in, I think now you understand why I asked Rakia to be on the podcast, because you are a jumbo, colossal, mega thinker. And, and how you just took such a complicated and for many of us, scary, technical, futuristic concept and just distilled it down and explained to us, we've been playing with augmented reality for years. And now in some ways it's just marketing and not as a tool, but I meant the scary part is the use that sounds so high tech and scary when you're like, nah, it's just The Sims on steroids. 
Incredible. And this is why people hire you. So I want to step back for one sec to explain, uh, can you give us a little history on Sky Blue Media and congratulations on your 10 years. And I know you guys just had a, like a, a jumbo offsite where I'm sure you're planning more global domination. It's so impressive and inspiring because I've known you for about 10 years. Right. And to We're watch the beginning at the beginning. So, um, as I warble on, so I just, if we could pause for one sec, tell you just a little bit about what Sky Blue Media does and who you do it for, because you have some extremely well-known individuals and some extremely well-known companies and it spends a gamut. And as I think about it and, and, you know, work with some of those clients, I do see through lines because you work with a lot of game changers. I'm going to put it that way. And they come to you because you're a game changer. You're a dial mover. I love I, I love that you say game changer and dial mover. Um, so I'll give you the mini commercial of Sky Blue Media. So Sky Blue Media is a multimedia, multicultural communications agency. Um, so we amplify the stories of people, products, and places. And we do that through storytelling. And one of our core competencies or why people, you know, hire us is this space of equity and communications. For us, it's all about amplifying the stories of people that typically you don't know how to communicate about or you don't know how to communicate with. So for us, that means we work with black and brown communities. And, and that is, you know, such a, a large, you know, that's such a large term. But we do that for, you know, corporations for, such as, you know, Morgan Stanley, their global sports and entertainment division. You know, we work with Revlon. We work with. Um, we've worked with Airbnb for about four years before they went uh, they went public. I'm trying to think of all of our clients. On the people space, we work with Serena Williams. You know this. Um, we've worked with the likes of Ashley Graham, who you were able to media train. So we built brands like we built brands like that and work with their brand partners. On the product space, we work with technology companies like Dell. And to be able to work with, you know, the one of the world's largest technology companies in the world, you do have to be in front of a lot of these, you know, kinds of trends and things. And then I named some of the other clients. And then on the play side, um, Barb, you know this because we were working so extensively with the city of Philadelphia. I was actually the cre creative director for the city of Philadelphia when they were bidding for the second location for Amazon. So that was distilling all of these multiple layers of data and bringing it into a way to tell one cohesive but comprehensive story. And in order to do that, you really need to be at the crux of storytelling. So I'll say storytelling, equity and communications, but that comes in the form of public relations, social media, digital media. Um, some might call some of the work that we do crisis comms because it's very urgent. You have to answer things right away. It's like, you've got to answer this right away. Uh, but not everything is a crisis. So we like to call it urgent care communications. Oh, I love that. Okay. Going back to storytelling, something you taught me, and I love this distinction, is storytelling, not story selling. Yes. <laughs> okay. Can you explain the distinction for listeners? Because we get attached to our stories and we try to sell them. Right. So so here's the thing. It, it's, it, it's very simple. Our brains work in narratives. Everyone is so used to a beginning, middle and end. That's how we were taught as children how to read. You know, there's the beginning, there's the middle and there's the end. And then there's iterations of a beginning, middle and end. So when you're telling a story, 
Always think about that from a context standpoint. Maybe the beginning is you're stating facts and statistics. The middle is sort of why you're talking about this and why you're here. And the end is typically in the world of marketing and communications, we like to say it is your call to action. What do you want people to do? Why did you tell them that story? But for some folks, the ending and the call to action is very self-serving. I want you to buy this thing. I'm selling you this thing. And you don't always have to sell someone something. I think great marketing, great communications, great entrepreneurs and influencers know how to tell a story. And so they they surround themselves with this thread and the ideologies of storytelling. And then their community says, hey, I want to support that or I'm a fan of that, or I want to be an advocate of that, or I want to be a part of that. And you don't necessarily have to be overt in your call to action, like click this link, buy this now, do this now. And story selling is quite the opposite. I'm telling you a story because I want to gain something from you. I'm telling you a story because I want to sell you something. I want to make you do something. And I want you to have some sort of urgency or immediacy in your call to action. So that's how I sort of separate storytelling and story selling. Storytelling is more the long game. Story selling is, I want it right now. Story selling is the microwave. Storytelling is the crock pot, is your slow cooker. You're going to marinate it. It's going to taste really good. It took a it's long a time. It's a slow cooker. It's a slow cooker, but it tastes so good. And it's hard to ruin anything in a slow cooker. Right. It's like, right? I mean, it really is. You just throw it in there and forget about it. I, you know what I mean? I don't want to stretch the metaphor too much, but to that, it goes out to another you know, word you brought up a second ago, which is equity, because we advise you know clients that we work with, right, is start building equity now with your audience by participating and providing value. So, and that means in advance of, you know, your product coming to market or in advance of your book coming out or in advance of that initiative so mm -hmm. that when it is time to sell, you've already been there and you've, you've shown your love and care for your audience already. So when do you have a call to action? People are like, I'm so on board with you. Thank you. Yeah. And you build a, here's the thing about, you know, for us, equity and storytelling is meeting people where they are, you know, using, using the, the right language and the right sort of vernacular where people are saying, this is exactly how I want to be spoken to. This is exactly how I like to communicate. Meet me where I am. And I think, you know, there's something to be said about the world of community and, and how people build communities. It goes back to storytelling versus story selling. You build a community before you need a community. And I think a lot of folks are building communities because they need the community. Build the community before you need it. Those are the folks that are the most successful. They've been building communities for three years, five years, six years, seven years. They've been doing all of it. The folks that are just like, I'm building a community right now because I want to launch this product in three months. It's not sustainable. Not sustainable. Now let's, I want to get into the intersection of authenticity and augmented reality because in its way taking the technology out, the notion of branding, PR, marketing, any of that really is augmenting our own reality. Like we start with, this is who I am. And in some ways it's like, I'm always going to push out me on a best day or the best version of ourselves, or we augment our reality. And I'm curious because I love the way you think in these jumbo, incredible thoughts, Rikia, that intersection of authenticity and augmenting our own reality, or our stories to be more impactful. Do you know what I mean? Like how you maintain yeah. one while doing the other? 
Yeah, you know, I, I had given that some thought um, a little bit ago because Sky Blue Media, you know, it's blue. I'm always wearing blue. I have navy blue on and my blue glasses now to always showcase that, you know, the color blue is what marketers use for trust, honesty and sincerity, authenticity and integrity, which are close cousins. And so we always pride ourselves on being authentic storytellers. And then when you think about augmenting something and you think about, you know, you're sort of manipulating an image, you know, it comes to the, well, why are we augmenting this? And why are we manipulating this? And why are we, why are we doing this? But it gets back to the space of equity and meeting people where they are. So, you know, the way that I'm sort of looking at AR and immersive technology and sort of the metaverse of it all is that you're really enhancing the experiences for people. It's not augmenting it in a way where you are trying to manipulate or, you know, in the world of old school PR, you'd say, I want to do a publicity stunt or I want to massage a story. No, for us, it means it's more along the lines of enhancing the experience. So if you're a, a consumer who's buying a product and you say, hey, Rakia, I want to just say, hey, I want to shop for a wig. And there's a store. There are two stores that you have to choose from. One store is you go on their site, you see the images, sort of 2D images in real time. You can click on them, click on them, click on. But you go to another site as a consumer and you say, oh, this site has immersive technology and AR where I can sit here in my own home. I don't have to go into a store and I get to virtually try on these wigs and I see what I look like in a red one wig. I see what I look like in a blue wig. I see what I look like with a bob. I see what I look like with long hair. And you get to enhance your experience doing it that way. You may choose to enhance your experience and do it that way. Now, there was a study done, I think it was last year, and it said that retailers, about 1% of retailers were currently using AR for retail experiences because they weren't there yet. But a survey went out and 70%, 71% of consumers said they would shop more if there was an immersive experience in their shopping or if there was some sort of augmented reality. Now, if I owned a wig brand or a retail shop, I would probably say I need to invest in augmented reality because I'd like to get those customers that said, hey, 71% of us would actually buy more if that kind of technology was offered to us because we're shopping in the privacy in our own home. And we all know that the pandemic forced so many people to shop in different, our consumer behavior has changed dramatically. We're shopping online, you know, we're using Instacart to shop for things. We're doing our groceries online instead of going into the grocery store. So we are using technology because it's smarter, faster, better, and enhances our experience. So I don't look at it as being um, a, you know, sort of a manipulation tactic or augmenting something or being fake. I look at it as we're completely and uniquely enhancing experiences. I was just thinking about the communication aspect and how well you just explained that. And one of the greatest gifts of any communicator is to take complex ideas and distill them down to accessible messages. So A++++, Rakia, I'm just like taking <laughs> mental notes going, wow. Okay. Just as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, how powerful augmented reality in that way has been in the interior design space for some time. Absolutely. Look at 
Wayfair. Wayfair was ahead of its time. You go to Wayfair, instead of buying a lamp, you could take a photo of your living room and see what the lamp looks like in your living room. You're like, oh, yes, of course I should get that. Click, I'm going to buy that. Yes, and I need the rug. And I need all, all the things um, because it's enhancing my experience to shop. Hence, I'm going to spend more at your store. I just want to talk about the idea of now the individual and how we can enhance, how we show up as our own personal brands, how we show up to enhance the experience for others. So I love the example you gave of making your wings flap on your Halloween costume <laughs> and thinking about just from your point of view, because you do actually also work with individuals. It's like, how do we show, you know, how are the recommendations or this idea of leaning in to thinking about what are the questions we should be asking ourselves if we're thinking about that in terms of our own sort of accessible human, you know, scale websites or how we approach our social and how, what, what's the question to ask when, it, you know, what's enough, what's too much? You know what I'm saying? No, I, listen, I think you, I think you have to experiment. I think the reason I speak about retail so much is because we're, because our shopping behavior has tra- changed so, so dramatically. So I do think that augmented reality is really informing the future of retail. So if you're a retailer, definitely start to wrap your head around it because you will be left in the dust uh, as to speak if you're not integrating augmented reality in some way, shape, or form into your shopping experiences over the next year or two. We can start, we already see brands that are starting to do this and rise to the top. If you're someone in the marketing and communications agency or communications world like like you how are you meeting your customers and consumers where they are how are they shopping through websites how are they how are your images set apart from theirs you know so if you think about just photos in their static form and again going back to my wings having that fairy experience i used an app to use as an overlay to make it as a realistic experience so that people really immerse themselves in the world of me being a fairy. Yes, it was Halloween, but I I took my costume seriously. And it was the difference between me having my regular wings on and you scrolling to the next photo, seeing me sit down and seeing it, seeing those wings flap. Right there, it brings a new level of imagination and innovation in it. And we still are, whether people like to say it or not, going through and processing a trauma of never having been gone, never having dealing with the pandemic. So any way that you can start to build some sort of, you know, escape, escapism, imagination and innovation in your experience and products, that's where you will start to build a little bit of a different audience, because I don't think that folks are out of I'm out of the sort of pandemic. I'm shopping the way I did before. I'm doing all of the things. I have my old habits. We have new habits and we have to start leaning into meeting people where they are with these new habits. Wow. As you're saying this, my mind is, you know, going a rapid circle about like service providers, all sorts of people I work with who, who, whether it's a designer, doctors, real estate, they're just so- Real estate. Oh my gosh. 360, you know, I mean- We've been using that, you know, I remember purchasing a house many, many years ago and I was taking a 360 tour. Now you can take a, or if if people are using, utilizing it for real estate, you can take a 360 tour 
have someone have a voice over, have a chat button to answer your questions, even in presentations. So I just started another company and I got funding for it. Uh, yes, It'll be launching in 2022. And uh, I got some angel funding for it. And I know people don't want to come to another meeting at the end of the year, but I'm using immersive technology for the board meeting where people will open the PowerPoint presentation. My face will pop up on each page to go through because sometimes we know people don't read. So my face will now in with this immersive technology pop up and I'm talking as if we were in the meeting and it follows the pace in which they're going through the presentation and I'm talking over it so they don't have to fully read it. So from a communication standpoint, a marketing standpoint, real estate, so many industries, healthcare industries, you know, oh, health yes. tech is going to be, I mean, as we know, health tech, you know, over the past two years has completely been on the rise. And we know that immersive technology will be integral to the healthcare industry. So we'll see AR um, at its best and we'll see this this metaverse of it all where e-commerce is starting to it will start to come into play. We'll see a lot of that unfold, I'd say, in 2022 and beyond. There was a, a woman that I was interviewing last week for Meta. Um, she was a part of their small business program for, for Facebook Meta, and she had a wine company, and her wine company, in order to build immersive experiences, started to do more of these immersive cooking classes where she was bringing in different chefs and then you get to go on a wine tour and then you get to choose the wine and then they ship the wine to your house. I mean, we are, we are here. We're at the future. The future has called us and we have answered the phone and now we're about to get on the line and have a whole conversation with it. I'm just sitting with this. It's incredible. I, I think I was like, I'm running to the station, hoping I can catch the train before it actually departs. You know, like in a movie, that person that's running next to the train, it's already left. That's the <laughs> feeling I have. Like, Ricky, you have this like really great seat. You're waving out the window. You're super comfy. You've got your tea. It's like you're settled. I'm like, oh my God, the train is leaving the station. I better jump on. Wow. You're such a gift about this. Um, I'm really even curious. It's like, on a mundane level, or just if you can share information about like how, how, what is that? Is the immersive technology you're using, is that accessible to the average consumer? Are there apps that you recommend? Are there places, you know, us civilians who are desperate to get our ticket on the future train? What, what can we be doing? So let me tell you about this one project that I worked on. I won't name the company, but it was a mega celebrity. She is also referred to as the greatest of all time. And we had talked about, <laughs> we had been talking about how she has to be in all of these different places all of the time. And we wanted children to be able to access her. So um, we worked with a, a company so that a child could hold up their iPad or their phone and see her sitting in their living room where we then got to ask her a question about what, and these were, we were trying it on uh, like fifth graders. So what were you like in fifth grade? And she would, and you would talk to your phone and you would see her and you'd say, what were you like in fifth grade? And it would respond, you know, to the, um, the way that your voice asked the question and she would pace it out and say, well, this is what I was like in fourth grade or fifth grade. These were my favorite subjects. And you would have a conversation. So she would be sitting in your living room. So the accessibility factor with AR and immersive technology is there where you know, we get these sort of holograms of people that we don't have access to. 
And so thinking about career fairs or getting guest speakers to come in, we should be leaning into these things because some people can't be in every place at every single time. If you want to experiment with, with AR, you know, obviously you can try regular things like on Instagram, all of the filters. I sometimes just search all of the filters because I just think it's phenomenal that people can create their own filters. Artists are creating their own filters and there are so many folks that are doing that. There's one app that I would encourage you to um, sort of utilize and it's called Prequel. It's just an app that you download and it helps you to put augmented reality sort of overlays on your photos and you can use it on Instagram and you can use it on Facebook or you can use it if you want to send a message to someone. That's where I use um, the overlay for the fairy wing. So when you download it, you you too can have uh, you too can have flapping flapping fairy wings. But I'd say that you know folks like you know Apple and Google are putting out regular white paper white papers every day to talk about how small businesses can get into you know sort of this virtual and augmented reality play. Also, if you Google, Facebook just did an amazing state of the plate report, like state of the the global economy report, if you just Google, and it talks all about the metaverse and how small businesses can be getting involved in the metaverse and how you can integrate, you know, AR and immersive technology into your businesses. They also have a small business um, leaders network that encourages folks that are selling products and business, you know, products and services on Facebook or Instagram, you know, that entity, how to do it using immersive technology. So the information is out there. You just have to research it. But I think the market, honestly, over the next two years is going to see a compounded rate of rise over 50% because that's just where people are. We want more, we want more, we want more. And we're not going to stop. Okay, if you didn't get it already, you need to be listening and following Rakia because you share information on the regular. I'm so thrilled that you're on the podcast, but you share so much on your Instagram already. So how, where can people find you? And do you do a newsletter? I can't remember. I should we know that. Used to, we used to do a newsletter. Right now, we have this very proprietary toolkit that we send out to all of the folks that we work with once a month on how to effectively communicate in that specific month. So giving you all of the tools, ways to do it, ways to engage, things to stay away from. Um, and then if folks want to follow me, it's just Rakia Reynolds, Rakia Reynolds across everything, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, just R-A-K-I-A, Reynolds like the rep. And my company is Sky Blue Media, S-K-A-I, blue is in the color and media. You can find me there. You are just a, a treasure. I, my, I, I've got to go pick up the pieces of my brain that are like scattered all over my <laughs> office right now. I, my head is blown in the most amazing, wonderful, powerful way. So thank you. And thank you to the listeners for always joining me here on Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in a custom communications or living your brand workshop for your team or company, please contact me via my website, ableintermedia.com. I would love to discuss how I can support you. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Mm-hmm.